welcome to the Perfume Making Podcast with me, Karen Gilbert. And in today's episode, I wanted to talk about something a little bit different to what we've been talking about so far and the nuts and bolts of perfume making. And that is the science and psychology of scent and how we can use it to shift our state. Now, when we think about scent in a wellness product, for example, we automatically think of essential oils and their aromatherapeutic benefits. And while the active components of any natural aromatic material plays its part, we often overlook the psychological benefits of scent and how it ties into both well-being and can create a powerful connection to our memories to create these emotional and behavioral changes. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing some fragrance industry secrets as well as the science behind creating scents that make us and our our clients feel good. So just a little bit of a reminder for those of you who might be new to the podcast. I'm Karen Gilbert and I've been using the power of scent in my own life personally for well over 30 years. And during that time, it's been really, I would say, a constant companion on my personal, uh, my business and spiritual path. And smell is one of the most powerful tools that I believe we can use to bypass our cognitive thought processes and link us straight to memories of times that we felt good. And I think it's more powerful and immediate than anything I have ever experienced in my life. I know some people connect to music more. uh, Some people connect to words, to art, to imagery. But for me, scent is one of the most immediate and powerful tools that I've ever used. So I learned about aromatherapy actually when I was quite young. And I always tinkered around and blended my own oils to make me feel better. And when I fell into the fragrance industry by accident, I discovered that there was a real science behind it too. And as well as training as an aromatherapist, I've worked in product development for large fragrance manufacturers and organic well-being brands such as Neil's Yard and the fragrance company IFF as an evaluator many, many years ago. And over the last decade or so, I've been writing, I've been teaching perfumery, consulting for brands on fragrance, well-being, product development and marketing, etc. So wanted to share a little bit about the the behind the scenes really of the fragrance industry and there is so much research that goes into the development of fragrances for household products for beauty products for wellness products that many people don't even know exists and this research is also used in the development of fragrances for i mean creating signature environments in retail stores in hotels, spas, and even office buildings. And a perfumer's job is not just about making a nice smell. It's about linking a scent with a marketing narrative and a customer behavior that connects everything together. And you are constantly being programmed by the fragrance industry and the companies that employ them to behave in a certain way when you smell a certain product. Now, I've touched on this in various pieces of writing that I've done in my courses and in other episodes of the podcast. And this might seem a little bit dark and nefarious, but if you know what happens here, 
it's fundamental to you being able to change your own behavior and use this programming as a tool for your own and your clients benefit. So for those of you who are used just creating fragrances for themselves, you can use this for you. And if you are actually creating fragrances for products and for clients, then you can use this in your product development as well. And I personally believe that our sense of smell has such a huge part to play in our sense of mental and physical well-being that goes way beyond the chemical makeup of essential oils and aromatherapy. But I'll come on to that more in a moment. So as an example of the way that scent is used in sales and marketing of a product, think about a shampoo that promises to make your dry, frizzy hair silky, shiny and glossy. So this is a a common sort of marketing thing in the shampoo and the hair care industry. So you would expect it to smell a certain way, even if you don't think about that consciously. So these types of products tend to smell rich, creamy, floral, luxurious, pampering. And if that particular product with those claims smell of something like mint or pine or herbal, you really would not believe that it would do its job. And if you don't believe me on this, go into your supermarket or drugstore or and find the type of shampoo that I just mentioned. So something that is marketed to dry, frizzy hair, something that is caring, pampering, moisturizing. Have a smell of it. What does that smell like to you? Does the scent and the packaging and the product design and the description make sense together? And you don't need to be a fragrance expert to understand this. This is something that we see in our everyday life and it doesn't matter what product it is, the scent and the the packaging and the marketing copy, everything has to um, line up. And when developing and testing that particular shampoo as an evaluator, product evaluator, we will not only evaluate the performance of the product itself on real people. So does it actually physically work? But also we try it with different fragrances to see which one improves perception of the product and the product claims. And no matter how good a product is performance wise, if the scent doesn't add up in our brain, it will devalue our perception of that product's performance. So it was learning about this connection between scent and psychology whilst working in the fragrance industry that really got me hooked. And it sent me down this kind of path of discovery to really improve my own health and well-being as well. And during this work of self-healing, what I realized was that one of the things that always shifted my state and my mood and made me feel better was scent. And I really set about using this more on myself and working on a class to help other people create their own scent anchors to shift their states too. And as I delved more into both the scientific research and the spiritual traditions associated with scent, it all really started to make sense to me. And you see what the priests of ancient times were doing when they did things like burning scented woods or bark or resins to communicate with their gods was really getting themselves into an altered state of consciousness. And you see it a lot in tribal traditions and even with today's biohacking movement or being using different tools. Now, this phrase altered state can sound a bit scary, but I'm not talking about you know, psychotropics, mind bending drugs here. You can do this with meditation if you put in the time and effort. 
and you can do it with sound frequencies as well. And you can also do it with scent. And for me, the most powerful scenario is a combination of all three. But scent on its own is a super quick and enjoyable tool that anyone can easily learn to use. And I've shared this before, I know, but I did a poll from my perfume audience a few years back. And I simply asked, why do you wear perfume? And I think there's a belief that comes from marketing in the fragrance industry, although, you know, I think we do have we have moved on from that now that we wear scent to attract a mate, to make ourselves appear more alluring or sexy or to cover our own natural body odor or to give this perception of wealth and success. But what I found when I spoke to real people is that that isn't really true. And the number one reason that every single person who answered that poll gave for why they wear perfume is because it makes them feel good. Wearing or using scent really is not for anyone else. It's for ourselves. It's an act of self-care. But I personally think it goes much deeper than that. And many people that I spoke to hadn't really thought about the why, why they, they use scent. All they knew is that it made them feel good, but they didn't know why it made them feel good. And what I really want to share with you today, and this is going to be a much longer episode than I normally do, but I want to share the why behind that and how you can use this as a conscious tool to shift your state whenever you want. And obviously you can incorporate this into your product development as well, if that's what you're doing. So let's go back to the ancients and let's look at what they were really doing when they were incorporating scent into their rituals. And to do that, we must, um, we really need to start to think about the purpose behind a ritual. So usually if we're looking at some, something like ancient Egypt or other ancient peoples, rituals were often about communing with the gods or the spirit world. And if you look at the process of any ancient tradition to communicate with that higher realm, we need to step out of the mundane aspects of our day-to-day lives and into a kind of sacred space, if you like. And whether that is a circle of trees in a forest glade or an ancient temple, what we're doing is we're stepping out of the ordinary world and into the magical, into a space between those worlds, if you like. And this is what we're aiming to do with meditation too, creating that space between waking and dreaming or the gap, as my meditation teacher calls it. It's an altered state of consciousness that's really difficult to access when we've got a million things distracting us. And although today we've got a lot more going on than in the average (laughs) ancient Egyptian high priest's time, it's still about creating that sacred space. It's still about creating that gap, that altered state of consciousness where we can channel our highest self or the best version of who we can possibly be, whatever that looks like to you. So where does scent fit into all of this? Well, I found that on my own journey of self-discovery decades ago now, is that most ancient rituals use scented oils and resins of a way of anchoring in that altered state. And it wasn't just about creating a nice environment, although that does play a part too. The incenses and oils were a fundamental part of those rituals that could not be omitted. And have you ever wondered why frankincense is used in churches and features in a lot of ancient religious ceremonies? Well, 
Well, there have been a few studies done on frankincense, actually. And when burned as an incense, it produces something called trihydrocannabinol, a psychoactive substance that is said to expand consciousness. And this discovery was made by German scientists at the um, Academy of Science in Leipzig back in 1981 during an experiment to discover why altar boys had been um, become addicted to the resin. And I will put the study links to anything I mention here in the show notes. And so it's just a, a quote from that study. Religious leaders have contended for millennia that burning incense is good for the soul. And now biologists have learned that it's good for our brains too. An international team of scientists, including researchers from John Hopkins University and the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, describe how burning frankincense, which is the resin from the Boswellia plant, activates poorly understood ion channels in the brain to alleviate anxiety. One of the research studies co-authors said... We found that incensol acetate, a Boswellia resin constituent when tested in mice, lowers anxiety and causes antidepressant-like behaviour. So again, I'll put the two studies that I've referenced here in the show notes. So moving on to a more mundane realm, in a Japanese study that was done way back in the 90s when I worked for a big fragrance company, IFF, lemon oil was pumped through the air conditioning of an office building and they found that typing errors went down and productivity increased by quite a significant percentage. And it's been found that even if the scent is below our levels of perception, it can still influence us. And one of the most amazing things about this is that we can take control of our own sensory programming and create our own scent anchors to shift our mood. So how does our sense of smell work? Well, one of the first lessons I teach my perfumery students is how to smell and how our our olfactory system operates. And it's crazy that we never learn this stuff as kids. It's so amazing and useful. And I'm going to keep it simple in this episode and just give you the bits you need, but it will give you a bit more insight into what goes on between your nose and your brain. So when we smell anything, what happens is the volatile aromatic molecules from whatever it is that we're smelling evaporate and they travel up our nose to our part of our brain called the olfactory bulb. Now, the olfactory bulb is in the part of the brain known as the limbic system, which is thought of as the oldest and most primitive part of our brain. Sometimes it's called our lizard brain. And the olfactory bulb actually sits um, just between the eyebrows at the front um, on the seat of the, the, the head. If you follow um, chakras or anything like that, it's where kind of the third eye would sit. Now, the limbic system is where feelings, moods, emotions, sexual behavior and memories are processed. And it also connects our behavior in a current situation with past situations based on our previous emotional experiences. So molecules then flow to the hypothalamus, which is responsible for the restoration of the physical equilibrium of our bodies. And it regulates things like our blood glucose, our hormone levels and our body temperature. And smell bypasses our cognitive thought processes and creates this knee-jerk emotional response, which is an important part of the equation. So strong mental associations between odour and situations of either intense pleasure or sadness or other emotions can be buried in this unconscious memory for years until suddenly they're invoked by an encounter with the same or similar smell. And this can trigger the thoughts, feelings and emotions that we felt at the time as if they're happening right now. 
And as we go through our life, we build up these little accidental anchors that make us feel a certain way. And they bring back memories of people and places and times and a multitude of emotions with it. So scent triggers memory, memory triggers our emotions, and these emotions trigger reactions in us. So in a practical everyday sense, it means that if we're walking down the street and we smell something such as a a perfume that our mum wore or our grandmother, for example, or a previous partner, it will take us right back to that time or that place or that person without us ever even having to think about it. And I'm sure that it sounds like a little bit of a cliche now as everybody I'm sure has had this experience at some point in their life. And research has shown that how we react to a smell is really based on these associations. And generally it happens in childhood as we're learning about the world around us. And before we even learn language, we're constantly associating smells with situations both good and bad. And as we get older, we're programmed by the products we use too. As I mentioned before, you know, the fragrance industry does in-depth research into what scents people associate with what feelings. And a lot of our associations actually are just simply what we've been conditioned to have. For example, you know, we talked about the shampoo before, but if you see a shower gel, in a supermarket marked energizing and the bottle is yellow, you know, what do you expect that to smell of? Citrus, of course, because we associate zingy citrus notes with terms like energizing, wake up, detox, cuts through oil and grease, sparkling. And is it because citrus does all of these things or because we've been told that it will? And actually, Personally, I believe it doesn't matter because if we have these associations that citrus equals energizing, one sniff is going to confirm it and it's going to have that effect. So whether this is a natural oil or whether it's a lab created version, it honestly makes no difference to our brain's perception. And I have a particular blend of oils that I used to put in the bath in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> um, when I first started working for myself, I was, you know, I was suffering from burnout and I spent a lot of time writing, like when I was writing my first book and I was really struggling with distraction. And what I found was having a bath with scented oils, if I was stuck or if I couldn't get clear on what I wanted to write, even if it was just me writing my weekly newsletter, or if I wanted to come up with a a blog post, or even if I just needed some kind of divine guidance or answer to a particular problem, I used this so much to get clear when I was feeling like muddled and distracted that I actually programmed myself. And now, whenever I take a sniff of that particular blend, it takes me right back to the state that I need to access. And what we're looking to do here really is to just use scent consciously to create our own positive anchors rather than have our brain accidentally do it for us. So once we've created that little scent anchor for ourselves, all we need to do to recall it is take a sniff of that same scent again and we're right back there. Now you can do this too. And the first part of this is learning how to smell consciously. So what actually is smelling consciously? Now, I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode where I talked about training your nose to become a perfumer. 
but I'm just going to do a little recap here. So smelling consciously is like doing anything with thought and foresight. So take eating, for example. How many times have you been really, really hungry and you've been in a hurry and you've just grabbed some food whilst dashing here, there, multitasking and just eaten it without even really noticing that you've eaten anything? Or maybe you've been driving a route that's really familiar that you always take on autopilot. And as you pull into the driveway or you pull up outside your house or wherever, your office or wherever it is you've you've driven to, you realize that you don't even remember the journey. And that can be a bit scary. I know that I've done this where I've sort of arrived and I've been on thinking about something else and I've been on autopilot and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't actually remember that drive that I just did. And most people go about their day like this without really noticing what they're smelling. And so here's an exercise to get you into a little bit of practice. So find something perfumed that you love the smell of. So it doesn't really matter what it is. It could be an incense stick. It could be an essential oil. It could be a perfume material. It could be a perfume. It could even be a shower gel, a bath oil, a shampoo. It can be natural. It can be synthetic. For the purposes of this exercise, it honestly doesn't matter. Now find a quiet space where you're not going to be disturbed and just holding that item close your eyes. And the idea here is to minimize distractions from your other senses. So you can really get used to using your sense of smell properly. And as you breathe in that aroma, focus on any images, any thoughts, or any feelings that appear. What do you see when you smell that? What do you feel Where do you feel it in your body? Does it conjure up any memories or events or a particular person? Does it have a color? Does it have a texture? Does it have a shape? And continue that for as long as you feel necessary and just write down anything that comes up. Now, as an interesting contrast, you could also do that task with something that you don't like the smell of and just note the difference. And that's something that you can do at any time with any particular smell. If you want to connect with it more or become more conscious about the particular thing that you're smelling, just repeat that little exercise and um, yeah, let me know how you get on. So let's talk about creating your own little scent ritual. This is something that I love to do and it's something that's super powerful. So how do you go about identifying the scents that are going to shift you from, say, being distracted or spinning, for example, to focused and productive? Or maybe you want to shift your state from feeling anxious and unsure to brimming with confidence. So add your own desired state shifts in here and just apply the same principles. So think about how is it that you want to feel that you don't feel often and you want to, you know, have a little tool to kind of help you shift um, from from one to the other. Now, just as a little bit of a caveat here, this is not... um, you know, a a replacement for therapy or, you know, no medical um, advice is being given here. So this is just something if you, you know, want to have a little tool in your little toolbox to give you a little pick me up now and again. 
So there are a few different approaches and I would suggest that you pick the one that feels easiest for you. So the first option is to think about the smells or the scents that you love. Now go through each one, one at a time and do the exercise that we just did before and note down which ones connect you to different states or feelings and really try and tap into your intuition with this. Don't overthink it. And for those of you who are creating fragrances for clients or developing perfumes, this is something that you can use when you're planning your scents as well. Think about connecting those ingredients, those materials with thoughts, feelings or states, you know, and think about maybe not just how you might feel, but how your ideal customer will feel when they use the product or use that fragrance. And scent is such a personal thing. There's no right or wrong answer here. And just don't overthink it. Just really tap into your your own intuition with it. And if you're using this to create your own little scent ritual, you can use essential oil properties to guide you if you want to. So if you are into aromatherapy, if you know a lot about the properties of oils, you can do that. But this this exercise that I'm talking about here really is not about aromatherapy. It's more to do with a memory and association. But if you need a starting point, it's obviously a good one if that's what you're familiar with. Now, there are certain scents over the years that we've been programmed by fragrance marketers um, to associate with certain properties and feelings. And so that's also a great place to start as well. So once you become familiar with scent families that are used to support the messaging of particular product types, you can use that as well. And that is something that I include in a pro I've got a whole, by the way, if this stuff is resonating with you and you're really fascinated by the scent psychology, creating scent rituals, scent anchors, I've got a program that is specifically based around this called The Scent Shift, and I'll put that in the show notes. So you can, so other ways that you can do this, you can take a scent that you've got no previous connection to, but you like the spell of, and you can actually program your brain from, from scratch. And yes, you can do this. It's a longer process that I don't have time to go into in today's episode, but it is covered in the Scent Shift program. Um, so I would, for, for the purposes of today, I would just start with something that you're familiar with at this stage. So you can do this with a single oil. You can do this with a fragrance blend, or if you want to, you can even create your own accord or fragrance or a little scent anchor for yourself. So the main thing to remember in all of this is that your scent associations are personal to you and there is no right and wrong. So be guided by your own intuition on this. And just as a little side note, um, studies have been conducted that show our response to odour is learned by association. And this means that in order to use a scent to change our mood, it must either be something that we have had a previous positive or negative association with, depending on, I don't know why anyone would want to use a scent to change themselves into a negative state, but it must be either something, say we have a previous positive association with or we must program our response with a novel odour, which is one with no previous association. So this particular study I will put in the show notes as well. So taking another tip from ancient cultures, the next step is to create a little ritual around our desired state shift. So whether it's preparing a herbal tincture, creating a fragrance or getting ready for work and brushing our teeth in the morning, us humans love a ritual. 
So our lives are full of them, whether they're religious or not. So even the simple act of brushing our teeth or taking a bath at night is a ritual. And here's the thing. When you're performing a ritual and just focusing on that process rather than multitasking, it calms the mind. You know, there is a reason why mindfulness has become such a huge thing in today's world, because we're always distracted. We're always multitasking. So that just simple act of doing that one thing and focusing on that one process, even if it's making a cup of tea or coffee, calms our mind. And not only that, but it creates a change in state that is conducive to creating the outcome you want. So the key here is to create a personalized ritual that changes your state from negative to positive, And it stills your mind, allowing you to go within and really listen to your intuition. And the reason that fragrance fits so perfectly into this space is that it does it for you. It bypasses your cognitive thought process and gives you that shift without you even having to think about it. So a daily um, scent ritual, for example, needs to be something that fits in with your everyday life and it's pleasurable. So you actually do it. So, you know, it's hard to create a habit, but if it's something that you love and it's something that fits in with your day-to-day life, it's not too complicated and you love it and it creates, it you know, causes you pleasure, you're actually going to stick to it, right? So think about the rituals that you already have in your life and where you can slot in your little mini scent rituals so that you get little boosts throughout the day. And scent memory is wired into our DNA. And when we connect that with our own rituals, we're doing what the ancient priests and shamans did, but for our own modern day purposes. Now, I personally love to use my scent anchors in an Epsom salt bath, um, a wake up shower or even a few drops in a mug of hot water to inhale. So not to drink, obviously, I don't recommend drinking essential oils or fragrances or whatever. Um, But you can drop a couple of drops. If you haven't got a diffuser, boil a kettle, get a mug, boiling water in it, couple of drops of scent or essential oil or whatever it is that you're using and just gently inhale that. I call it a scent blast in a mug. Um, Actually, what I will also do is I've got this Um, This topic that I'm talking about today, I've got it as a video mini course. I've got it as an ebook and I will drop the link to that in the show notes as well. So if you want to a little bit more, if you prefer to read, because I know some people prefer prefer to read things like this, um, I will drop that into the show notes. But there are other quick ways of using your chosen scent as well. You can put a few drops onto a cotton warble and put it in a little glass jar. So, you know, those little glass jars that you can buy to make lip balm. Take one of those clean cotton warble or cotton pad. Add a few drops of your chosen scent. Um, If you're using a perfume, you can spray it onto the cotton pad pop that into the glass jar and close the lid to keep it fresh. And you can then just pop that in your bag. You can carry it with you, take a sniff whenever you need a quick boost. And the more often you do this with this particular scent, the more you're going to create that association that, that links it all together. Um, you could obviously you can and, and you can refresh that from time to time as well. 
You could go old school and spritz some scent on a cotton handkerchief. And by the way, did you know that this is how perfume was originally designed to be used? Hundreds of years ago, perfume wasn't designed to be used on skin, which is why we've got this situation with a lot of, you know, perfume materials are, you know, full of allergens. Um, whether it's naturals or synthetics, you know, all perfume has got the potential to cause allergies on skin. Perfume was originally designed to be handkerchief scent. So you could do that if you've got any old vintage um, cotton hankies. And I know that I've got some actually from my granddad from from many, many years ago. Spritz your favorite scent onto that. Or you could also create a solid perfumed balm and also, you could create a rollable, like a perfume oil, a little rollable to dab onto pulse points or sniff on the move. Now, for those of you who have got my book, Perfume the Art and Craft of Fragrance, there is an oil perfume recipe in there. And there's also a solid perfume recipe as well. Um, but I do have a solid perfume formulation on my blog. Again, I will whack that in the show notes for you. And so, Really, just to round up today, um, you know, scent is such a powerful tool. And there are so many different ways that we don't even think about how we are experiencing it and using it in our day to day lives. And hopefully in this episode, it's given you some thoughts, some ideas of how you can use scent in different ways to make yourself feel better, to incorporate into your products that you're creating for your clients. And for those of you who do want to learn more and are interested in the Scent Shift program, um, I will pop that in the show notes. And thank you for listening. As always, if you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you would give me a review. That would be amazing. And it really does help with the algorithm on Apple Podcasts, for example, and on Spotify. And if you've got any particular topics that you want me to cover, drop me an email to um, podcast at karengilbert.co.uk and I will see you all next time.